0: Hey listeners, today I'm excited to share with you a preview from a new podcast I've been enjoying and think you will too. You may know Jacob Goldstein as the former host of the Planet Money podcast. Now he's hosting a new show called What's Your Problem? It's a show about technology and business where entrepreneurs, engineers, and executives talk about the future they're trying to build and the problems they have to solve to get there. You'll get to know the people who are trying to figure out how to do things no one on the planet knows how to do. Like, how do you sell dog ramps to wiener dog owners all around America in the middle of a global pandemic? How do you build cars that can truly drive themselves? How do you take a drone delivery business you've built in Rwanda and make it work in North Carolina? That last one, about the drone delivery business, is so illuminating that I want to play a preview of the episode for you now. Jacob talks with Kenan Wyrebeck, the co-founder of a drone company called Zipline, who has a message for the world. The drones are coming. I hope you enjoy it. You can hear Kenan's full story and more episodes of What's Your Problem wherever you get your podcasts.
1: I'm Jacob Goldstein, and this is What's Your Problem?, the show where we talk to entrepreneurs and engineers about the future they're going to build once they solve a few problems. My guest today is Keenan Wyrobeck. He's the co-founder of the drone delivery company Zipline, and he has a message for the world. The drones are coming.
2: There's going to be more planes and flying cars flying in the airspace in 20 years by a factor of 100 than there are aircraft flying in the air today.
1: The drones are coming, and I wanted to talk to Keenan because he understands at a really deep, practical level what it's going to take for that to happen, for the drones to get here. His company, Zipline, is not just some startup with a big dream and a PowerPoint deck and a bunch of VC funding. They have been building and deploying drones for years in Rwanda and Ghana. They're now doing hundreds of flights a day, every day, delivering medical supplies across both countries. And Zipline is just now starting to expand into the United States. So there are a ton of interesting problems that I want to learn about here. The problems Keenan faced building one of the world's first drone delivery companies, and also the really surprising problems that come up as his company is trying to expand from Ghana and Rwanda and into the U.S. Those problems in particular, they tell us a lot about the future of commercial drone flight in the United States. We'll get to all that in a minute, but we're going to start with a brief story from when Keenan was 12 years old, because uh, it's a delightful story. And also, it tells you a lot about who he is, and it sets up what he is doing today. At the time, Keenan got this assignment in school, build a machine to
2: fling a golf ball as far as possible. Building stuff is just where I just have my fun. <laughs> and, you know, I, I'm i very competitive. So I got my hands on some, this big old winch, you know, the kind of thing with a big old hand crank and a gear and everything, uh, and a whole bunch of surgical tubing. I cranked basically until I physically wasn't strong enough to crank the thing anymore. And yeah, and, and you can kind of hear all the boards creaking as you cranked it. And the bands were just making this really weird sound. And, and I was like, okay, you know, backed up and then had this really long rope. And uh, Yeah, and then pulled the thing. The arm smashed up into this basically two by four frame so hard, the two by four frame just exploded. And then this big sliver, like a foot long sliver of two by four literally paled and stuck sticking out of the tree. I could just picture like it hitting me in the stomach and like, you know, going to the emergency room and not maybe not surviving. Yeah, it was, it was a memorable experience. How far did the golf ball go? Really far, really far, like two soccer fields. Like it went past the soccer field, past the hill at the end of the soccer field, and it took us like two hours to find it. That was very satisfying. Keenan grew up, and
1: maybe not surprisingly, he got into building robots, worked on a couple of projects after he got out of school. And around 2014, when he was in his early 30s, he found himself at this moment when he could really think hard about what his next thing should be. And he told me he went around looking for a problem to solve, kept coming up with ideas. But when he went and asked experts in the real world, is this a problem? They'd be like, actually, no, that is not really a problem. Finally, his wife pointed him in a new direction.
2: My wife's an epidemiologist, um, and she was telling me these stories about uh, health campaigns, you know, vaccine campaigns that just get stuck on logistics. And so of course the wheels are turning. It's like, okay, maybe drones and and that actually, that, that seems like maybe there's a, there's a real problem to solve here that people are going to really care about. Okay. Um, but at the same time, I will warn you, I'm a very skeptical person. So it's like, okay, I'm going to dig into this. We're going to go learn about this. And I'm just sure there's going to be a thousand reasons why, you know, this is never going to (laughs) work. We can't ever solve this problem. Uh, And and so we spent a bunch of time in in Central America, where my wife is from uh, in Africa, we we visited this one uh, medical supply warehouse uh, in Tanzania and outside the warehouse, as far as you could see, you know, football fields of pallets stacked, you know, two stories high in places, we're just outside this warehouse, like, what's, why do you have all these medical supplies, you know, vaccines, pharmaceuticals, other things, why are they outside? And, you know, one of the people in the delegation sort of quietly, because they were kind of embarrassed about it, they were like, yeah, that's all expired medicine. Oh wow. and That was one of those, like, moments where it clicked of like, okay, supply is actually not the big problem there's actually something much more practical uh, around around how to run you know how to get the supply from you know point A these warehouses to these doctors that that was one of the experiences yes. that kind of just it like the bit flipped in my head from like this is probably not a problem we can solve to like holy shit we have to solve this problem and it just became really clear you could leapfrog over all these factors by doing this with drones in an on-demand way so
1: this is the rare instance where a robot can solve a big important problem in the world that the people dealing
2: with the problem actually agree is a big important problem. Exactly. And I'd say that that people agreeing it's an important problem was another big part of my concern, right? Like <laughs> in Silicon Valley we like to use the word disruption as a good word, right? You walk into a health system, a national health system of a country and say, "Let's disrupt this." Like Nobody is excited, yeah. <laughs> everybody's like, yeah. here's the door, we're busy, you know, Like, go disrupt somebody else, like yeah. we have a job to do. I was very worried that there just wasn't gonna be an appetite for change in these health systems. Um, but really the opposite happened. We, we got started getting to know these health systems and the ministers of health in these countries. And I still remember the first interaction with the Minister of Health in Rwanda. She said, okay, you've got two weeks, You know, we've got all the data, like you've been modeling how a drone system like this could work in a health system, put together the case, what's the health impact? What's the economic impact? And then we'll go from there. And that was just like amazing. (laughs) The the rest is, of course, history. The case was really compelling on the health side and the economic side. uh, And they became our our first customer. And specifically, what is the, the ask? What is the job? The job from Rwanda is deliver blood on demand. The obvious answer in the early days, like, okay, cool. Which drone are we gonna buy? So went out to all the drone companies that could make a drone that could do what we wanted. And this was a incredibly frustrating journey because the best quote I got for a drone was $200,000 per drone with a 200 <laughs> flight warranty if I didn't fly it in the rain. Uh-huh. So uh, and it was like, and obviously the economics of that are just like, don't work at all. And the, you know, the customers want delivery all the time when it's waning or not. Yeah, and yeah. this was all really clear. And it just became, uh, this is one of those wake up call moments of like, oh, <laughs> you got to do this yourself. Um, and getting this first product service off the ground for this customer is going to be a much bigger lift than, than you thought.
1: Uh Uh-huh. So you realize you're going to have to build your own drones from scratch. And one of the things that's interesting to me about this part
2: of the story is, is it right, you wind up basically using iPhone parts? So the sensors, many of the sensors that make the drone fly, um, you know, these are the same sensors that are in your phone uh, and that detect like whether or not, you know, what orientation your phone is turned for <laughs> like your is video it, to play. It... So your phone knows the videos should be sideways. Our plane knows which way is up and how to fly without, you know, falling out of the sky. And it's truly um, the
1: same, basically the same sensors.
2: Oh yeah, made by the same companies. Like yeah. What <laughs> what others are, If
1: there are others, can you just like rattle off like oh what, sure what sensors that are in my iPhone more or less are in your drones?
2: Yeah, so GPS, uh, the cell modems <laughs> that are in your okay. phone we have in our drones. Even the basically the processors that are in your phone we use very similar technology like the processors. Same chip, more or less. Similar exactly. Chips. That they're so power efficient and and they're so capable.
1: It's amazing to me, I guess, in part because, you know, I've gotten used to thinking about um, giant businesses like, I don't know, Uber or uh, Instagram that like, okay, I get that those you couldn't have without the iPhone, right? That is intuitive to me. But the idea that like, you know, a company sending drones across sub-Saharan Africa to deliver blood, that that is also built on the iPhone is Wild, like you needed the cell phone, the smartphone revolution. You needed the iPhone to have come along and made all these components super cheap, super reliable, super smart. Exactly. So I want to try, I want to just talk through in some detail how like one, what do you call it? Delivery, I guess, how one delivery works. So some doctor or nurse needs something in their hospital. What happens?
2: Yeah. So a doctor or nurse needs something, they, they place their order, right? And by the way, we're really flexible there. They can use a an app. They can use their phone. They can use WhatsApp. They can pick up the phone and call us, whatever's easy for them. So um, our team, they're, they're going to get the unit of blood out of the freezer or fridge. They're going to get the, the unit off the shelf. Um, they're going to pack it up. Uh, put it into one of the drones. Uh the drone gets put into a launcher. Uh, okay, now I'm going to a- pause you there cuz we yeah. we have a video and I know we're like watching videos
1: on a podcast is a questionable move, but let's try it cuz like I do want to see it, right? It's a, it's yeah. it's okay. cool. So, uh, are you ready? I'm going to push play. You push play too, okay? Ready? Go. All right. Okay. So, so somebody is loading it it looks like a plane, a plane about the size of a person onto Some kind of a launcher, right? Onto like a ramp. Exactly. Well, there's propellers. The propellers are spinning.
2: (laughs) I like your narration. (laughs) And then there's a guy. What's the the guy there doing? Oh, it it just launched. He just launched it. Yeah. Wingspan's about 10 feet. So picture, yeah, it's like a, a big RC plane.
1: Okay. A a big remote control plane. And by the way, I mean, it's not in fact remote controlled, right? Like what does it, is it actually just flying on its
2: own? Yeah. So it, it is flying. It's flying automatically all the way out to the delivery site.
1: Does that mean there are people whose job is to sit somewhere at the warehouse or at an office and like look at what a camera from, to basically do air traffic control, to look at what all
2: the drones are doing and make sure that- exactly. So we call our drones Zips, uh, and we call those people Zip Controllers. Their job is very similar to air traffic control.
1: And do they generally have to do anything, or do the drones take care of themselves? The drones take care of themselves. Okay, so here, let's keep watching. So So now now the drone is going to make the drop.
2: First of all, you have to picture a package. So picture a a cake box, right, size package. Like it? um, With a paper parachute on it. That's in the belly of this drone. And so the drone flies over uh, the delivery site. Okay, Uh, and when it drops, it that paper parachute will inflate, and and the package drifts to the ground. Uh, A little bit like a cartoon is how I how I picture (laughs) it. I'm watching it right now. Yeah, it worked. It worked. It co- looks kind of fast. It's coming down kind of fast, yeah? Yeah, it's, it does come down fast. It's a This is a, the fun of the engineering challenge here. If you come down really slowly, um, that accuracy uh, uh, that basically goes, ah, gets
1: worse. It's because uh, the wind uh, can blow it to the side more, basically. Exactly, yeah. exactly.
2: If and it so, hit you on the head, it looks like it would hurt. I have been a test subject of this intentionally
1: <laughs> to make sure you wait, someone you else have to do it under it so it hit you on the head is that what you're yep, telling me yep. truly? you know it's
2: happening I live to tell the tale so okay
1: uh, more seriously has anybody ever gotten hurt by one of your drones
2: No no one's gotten hurt by one of our drones uh, but there's a lot of engineering work that goes into really minimizing the chances that you can get hurt by a drone.
1: okay tell me about the the end of the flight. It doesn't yeah. land in the way one would think of a little plane landing. It doesn't land. Yeah.
2: So, so there's like two arms sticking into the air. There's two poles sticking okay. into the air. And those poles are on motors. Okay. So they move okay. up and down. But like basically, you know, they're on motors. Uh, between those two poles is a is a string. Okay. Uh, really small string. Okay. And basically what's happening is our drone flies between these two poles. Uh, uh, and at the last second, literally that last fraction of a second. Yeah. Uh, if everything looks good, those poles, the motors on those poles will snap those poles up. So the line flings into the tail hook of the plane capturing the plane uh, and that's how it lands. That is amazing. That is just
1: the first half of my conversation with Kenan Wairoubek. In the rest of the conversation, he explains the truly surprising reason it's harder to build a drone business in the US than it is in Rwanda. To hear the rest of the conversation, listen to What's Your Problem? It's available wherever you get your podcasts.
0: That was a preview of the new podcast, What's Your Problem, from Pushkin Industries. You can find more episodes of What's Your Problem wherever you get your podcasts.